Let me tell you about our uh, our sponsor uh, this half hour. It is uh, Mantis X. If you practice at the gun range, you know how expensive it is. Um, but you practice because it is a perishable skill. If you don't shoot, uh, you're not going to be able to be accurate when you need to be. Cost of shooting ammunition now is through the roof. That's why Mantis X is so good. You can go to the gun range and load your gun, and it'll do exactly the same thing. Or you can dry fire. And I dry fire a lot. And uh, I haven't fired at a range for a year and a half or maybe two years. I've been using Mantis X. I went to the range. I'm firing at our range. And I think... It was 20 bullets or something, 17 bullets. I only missed twice uh, and uh, hit the target every time, hit it right where I wanted it to be, and it's because of Mantis X. Get yours now. Save a ton of money. MantisX.com, used by the military and uh, the Marines. You know it's good. MantisX.com. That's MantisX.com. America. In just a few minutes, uh, Jim Jordan joins us. Also, uh, Tucker Carlson talked to Devin Archer. We're going to talk about that in 60 seconds. Stand by for news. All right, Tuttle Twins. They have a massive moral problem here in America, and the Tuttle Twins are here. It's a generational problem. When uh, we as a society begin to reject notions like personal responsibility, which we've been doing for decades now, uh, we're in trouble. You end up with the people who routinely fall for absolutely anything because they don't stand for anything. We can change this, and we have to for the next generation. I want you to pick up a free book this week. It's called The Tuttle Twins and the 12 Rules Boot Camp. You can pay for just the shipping, and that's it. Your kids and your grandkids can begin to absorb the, uh, the same rules with the same emphasis on personal responsibility that you've had probably, hopefully, your whole life or gained from listening to uh, Jordan Peterson's work over the last couple of years. Unfortunately, we, need, uh, we live in a society where we need to take much more action because victimhood is ruling the day. Go to TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Get this book now. It's free for the next couple of days until their extra copies run out. You can uh, just pay for shipping. Go there now. Tuttle Twins and the 12 Rules Boot Camp while supplies last. That's TuttleTwinsBeck.com. So Devin Archer uh, was uh, on with Tucker Carlson on his Twitter cast, and uh, I want to just play some of the some of the things I thought it was. Did you see it all, Stu? 
Yeah, I watched. I think there's going to be more, right? Like I, he had released one yeah, right. clip. I think there's going to be an extended interview that comes after this. But I watched the entire clip that Correct. was released. Yeah, uh, yeah and so, so I do I. feel bad for Tucker because he, he did was... this thing calling a show Tucker on Twitter, and then they changed the name of Twitter. Yeah. So now yeah. is he Tucker on X now? I don't. I don't even understand what's what's I, happening. I, I, I I don't know, and I don't know how you're tweeting what you say when you tweet. I I don't know. It's very uncomfortable. But anyway. Uh, as I'm watching this uh, with uh, Devin Archer, I it was interesting because Tucker was speaking Archer's language, and so there I felt like there was a lot of winking and nodding going oh, yeah. on. Did you oh, feel yeah. that way? A hundred percent. They uh, in, in fact it was right. You know, I was looking at clips to pull from it. To, you know, to give uh, you know to, we can play for the audience, but it was like there's so many of them that they don't get to the final thing they're saying because they both kind of wink, uh-huh. nod, and laugh at each other because they know what they're saying, but Correct. they don't actually say it. So it was hard to find the right clips to, to play. Right. And they did that because uh, they're both Washington creatures. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Tucker is a guy who grew up in Washington. His uh, family was in the media. He knows it real well, and so does Devin Archer. Uh, and so let's just play some of these clips here this is uh uh hunter was an expert in knowing the guy the initial idea around the business they were going to provide you know the government insight and an additional network to raise capital and then you know deal with regulatory issues that you might have at the corporate level right regulatory issues exactly okay so that would be more his area that would be his space right but did he have a, a sophisticated understanding of regulation do you think um, I think that he led a team that had had a had a sophisticated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I lived in Washington a long time, around a lot of regulation. Also, a very complex area. Absolutely, absolutely. I think there's, you know, you got to be an expert in knowing the guy, and he was the guy that was the expert in knowing the guy. He was an expert in knowing the guy. Right. And who was the guy he knew? Uh, well, he knew a lot of people, but obviously yep. there was some familiar, you know, some, his brother, his father, uh, yeah. uh, some of his, mm. his father's mm. siblings. So he, he knew a lot of people. And, and obviously I know you're pointing to, you know, the father being the key relationship. That's well, great. no, I, I'm just trying to get a sense of like, Washington's not a money town. Right. You know, people don't, aren't in business in Washington for the right. most part. And most people don't have business skills mm. that I've noticed in 30 years of living there. Um, so really the business of Washington is, is selling access. That's what it looked like to me, yes. not just Hunter Biden, but like, yeah, no, I think that's, do. I mean, I think that's the, one of the like core misconceptions. I mean, it seems like when I, you know, understanding a regulatory environment means selling access at the end of the day. That, yeah. That's how I interpret it. And I think that's how most people on, you know, in wall street, whether they admit it or not, interpret it. Yeah. So we're going to, we've got a complex business that intersects with government. We need a guy who knows it. Right. How do I, you know, deal with getting a guy a visa that needs to come over for a business deal? Right. Call our lobbyist that knows the guy in DHS or used to work in DHS or, you know, in Customs and Border Patrol or the people at the embassy and state. They, they might be able to help. So there are very, like, tactical elements that are regulatory and compliance and governance that you have to go through. And you got to know the guy that right. worked at the old agency that now has the lobbying firm that can go back to the agency and, you know, get, get things put to the front of the line. Well, that's exactly what I want is a guy who knows a guy, um, but most of the guys he knows, uh, you know, can line you up with hookers and crack. Um, But I I think we all understand what is being said here. Now, one of the key things that the phone calls that nobody I don't hear anybody talking about 
he is talking about uh, he's he's about to talk about some of the phone calls and how that uh, how Joe Biden knew that businessmen were present during the Hunter phone calls. Okay, let's just I, I want you to remember one thing, and I don't hear anybody talking about it. These calls, the issue here is the time of day. For example, the call with Burisma took place while Hunter was in Qatar, and it was in the afternoon. Well, that's the middle of the night here. So dad calls at one o'clock in the morning. He just, hey, son, I'm thinking about. He's not up at one o'clock in the morning. He's not there. So he's calling over uh, to China in the middle of the night. And just, ah, I just happen to be, I happen to be up. Really? And if it happens during the middle of the workday, does dad just take the phone call? Is he just, is he so um, not busy that he can just take the phone call at any time and he's making phone calls in the middle of the night? You're having dinner over in Europe and it's eight o'clock at night. In Washington, D.C., that's 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Can somebody ask that question? All right, so here's a cut to Biden knew that businessmen were present during the Hunter call. Biden, then the sitting vice president, knew that there were Hunter's business associates in the room. Yeah, I think I can, I can definitively say at particular dinners or meetings, he knew there were business associates and he... You know, we dinners or if I was there, I was a business associate, too. Um, So I think or if, you know, any Mm. of the other colleagues from the D.C. office or the New York office were there. So, yeah, at times there were from the, you know, to be, you know, completely clear on the calls. I don't know if it was an orchestrated call in or not. It certainly was powerful, though, because, you know, if you're sitting with a foreign business person and you hear the vice president's voice, that's prize enough. Mm. I mean, that's 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 pretty impactful stuff. Yeah, it is impactful stuff there, isn't it? And you notice, remember, he said at these dinners, remember the ones that are in question are at least in Europe. Now, Hunter Biden calling dad. Is that an abuse of power at all? Cut three. You've got a lot of kids. You're close to them. Do you call them on speaker during business meetings? Um, do I call? <laughs> I mean, what is that? A grown man calling his dad on a speakerphone during a business right. meeting. And to be clear, sometimes it was the call was coming in and the speaker would go on. So it was, it's mm. just the presence. You have to be, I mean, you're, you, you understand DC, right? So the power to have that access in that conversation, and it's not in a scheduled conference call and it's a part of your family. That's, that's like the pinnacle of, uh, of power in DC. A hundred percent. I guess I'm pivoting against the lie that I'm hearing people tell with a straight face. Congressman Goldman, for example, that we don't really know what was going on. Really? You're taking a call from the vice president and you put it on speaker. It's not just, hey, dad, I'm in a meeting with some buddies. Right. It's, let me, let me put my dad, the vice president, on speaker. Yeah. Yep. In the, in the rear view, it's, uh, it's, a, it's an abuse of soft power, I'd say. Hmm. In the rear view, in the rear view. Okay. All right. One last thing. Um, at the end of the uh, clip that was released on Twitter yesterday, or X, uh, 
Tucker showed Devin a letter from Joe Biden from 2011, and it's a pretty impressive letter for a guy who is a lacrosse player. That's what he did. He was a lacrosse player. And then he went into business. And right, right as they're going into business, Joe Biden writes him this letter. Now, listen to this clip. We found this letter kind of amazing. It's from January 20th, 2011, which I think puts you in your late 30s, mid, mid to late right, 30s. Right, right. Okay, so you're, you're a younger man. This is from the Vice President of the United States, Joe Biden, to you personally, and it's personalized here at the bottom. Devin Archer, Rosemont Seneca Partners, that was your partnership with Hunter Biden in yes. Georgetown. Dear Devin, I apologize for not getting a chance to talk to you at the luncheon yesterday. I was having trouble getting away from hosting President Hu, Hu Jintang, who was yes. running China at that point. I hope I get a chance to see you again soon with Hunter. I hope you enjoyed lunch. Thanks for coming. Sincerely, Joseph R. Biden Jr. P.S. Handwritten. Happy you guys are together. So there are many levels here. But here's the vice president of the United States saying to you, a man in his mid-30s, who's not a government official, I'm sorry I was occupied with the guy who runs the world's largest country. I would much rather talk to you and thank you. What was he thanking you for? Well, uh, you know, first of all, it's a lovely letter and it was... <laughs> <laughs> it's quite enthusiastic. It's a little weird though, right? Yeah, well, it was, it, listen, it was, it was kind of the beginning of our partnership and he was thanking me and thanking Hunter, I think, at the end of the day for bringing this idea of this government regulatory strategic advisory business into the private equity world. And I think he was excited about the prospects for Hunter and, um, you know, he was uh, just, just thanking me. I think it was a nice gesture. <laughs> yeah yeah nice gesture Stu. i mean yeah very nice gesture i mean i know if i am meeting with the you know the leader of the second most powerful and arguably now the most powerful country in the world um and uh, my son is like hey dad 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 my friend is here my friend is here you're gonna meet with him i look at my son going i'm meeting with the leader of China right now. And, but the first thing I do is say, hey, secretary, come on in here just for a second. I just uh, I'm dictate a, a letter here. Um, hey, Rafe's friend, sorry I couldn't get away. I mean, I would do it with a lot of sarcasm, I think. <laughs> they might think it was nice, but it would be completely sarcastic. Sorry I couldn't break myself away to meet with you yesterday. Uh, but I was busy with the Chinese leader. Uh, but uh, hope to see you really soon. By the way, thank you sincerely for all you're doing. Yeah, and if what they're doing is putting together this uh, partnership where they are creating the illusion of using me, I thought he didn't know about Hunter's business at all. Yeah, I didn't I, think he had met with anybody, talked to anybody, knew anything. We're so far, I suppose, past this. But again, this has never really been changed by Biden himself. We now see Corinne Jean-Pierre saying he's never been in business with Hunter. Uh, that's their new spin on the old claim that he didn't ever speak to Hunter about his business. Uh, it was interesting to watch this happen. And I think it's important to remember who Devin Archer is. This is a guy who was roommates with John Kerry's stepson. 
uh, he mm-hmm. uh, was he was the I think the campaign finance co-chair of the John Kerry campaign. This is not a conservative you're hearing from here. And watching him try to answer these things, it seems like he's being somewhat careful with what he's saying. He's still in legal trouble, and he is facing a lot of the same things uh, that Joe and Hunter should be facing as far as charges go. So he's trying to navigate those waters. You can tell he, there's he's kind of saying this stuff with, with that wink and a nod because he knows he's at risk and he can't say everything he wants to say. But even with that, I think you get a lot out of this. And this is just the first clip oh, of this he, interview. This is a, this is a big deal. And yeah, and you also get uh, from it the arrogance. I mean, I think I think Tucker played this expertly. He approached him as a peer. Look, you and I are both. We grew up in Washington. And we know what's going on here. Am I right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I guess you know, I mean, retrospect, I guess it wasn't really a good idea. <laughs> yeah. They were, they were approached, he approached this interview with a, I know what's going on, come on, you know what's going on, I know what's going on. And surprisingly, uh, Devin Archer went right down that path with him. Yeah. And uh, that shows the arrogance and shows... The elitism of Devin Archer. And it may have come to a point here where Archer has realized whatever protection he might get from these relationships is now gone. And he has nothing to lose, right? I mean, he's being, mm-hmm. he's be, they're coming after him for uh, other uh, supposed offenses, which I have not, you know, I, I have not looked all that closely into whether he's guilty of, of the other stuff. Um, but all this stuff is on the record. These are emails sent at the time. We don't need to trust Devin Archer to believe these things. Uh, and that, you know, that's the newest thing that the left is trying to do, which is smear his right. character and say you shouldn't believe any of the stuff he says, while at the same time admitting it's true. Right. Like their their Correct. answer was not, oh, he didn't have 20 calls with Joe with Hunter Biden's business associates. It was oh they just talked about the weather. Oh, it was no big deal. Oh, it's been known forever. Uh, you know, these are 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 separate sort of responses to this and defenses that don't uh, shy away from the central truth here that all this stuff actually happened. You know. Let me take a quick 60 second break and then I, I want to talk to you about John Kerry's son and why nobody's talking about that. First, let me tell you about Relief Factor Sleep. If you've ever thought to yourself, I'm just so tired of being tired, that feeling you get when you're staring at the ceiling counting sheep and it just doesn't do anything. You wake up raccoon eyes tossing and turning all night. Sometimes I have a hard time sleeping and the worst thing I've ever done is taken. Uh, Ambien. Oh my, oh my gosh, that stuff is wicked. Uh, I like, I like to not, uh, I, I like to remember things, you know. I, I like not to be completely out of control. And uh, Ambien is, uh, is that kind of drug? Not relief factor sleep. It's 100% drug free. You don't feel it in your body. It is working with your body, not against your, uh, your natural body. Uh, and it has all natural ingredients, and it promotes healthy sleep. It works. I take it probably a couple of times a week. You can get the first bottle for nineteen ninety five, twenty bucks, and you get the feeling of drifting off to sleep, 
for several, several nights if you need it. Unleash the power of great sleep by calling 800, the number four relief, 800 for relief or go to relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com, 800, the number four relief, 10 seconds station ID. So, Stu, I can't remember exactly. I'm going to have to go back into our archives and, and look. But I can't remember why I feel this way. But uh, it's interesting to me that John Kerry's son, all of a sudden, he was an equal partner. All of a sudden, distanced himself from all of this. He was like, ah, uh, you know, I got to I, I, I gotta make a phone call. And he never, he never returns. I'm going out the store for some milk and never comes back. Um, and if I remember right, maybe you can clear this up. It was kind of that feeling when he left that I don't want to be involved in any of this. Do you remember it that way? When you say you, he doesn't want to be involved in all this, you're saying in business with Hunter? Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, it, there was so much controversy toward the end of that, and, and there was, I mean, I think a lot of people try to stay out of the blast radius when all that stuff starts happening, Yeah, uh, which I yeah. understand. Um, my, I, It seemed like they were very close for a long time. I don't remember exactly when the breakup was, though. Uh, you know, they... they it, they were. I'm gonna have to go back to the archives because I know we talked about it maybe three did. years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and uh, my recollection was it was like, what, what I, I friends with him. I don't know what you're talking. About. I was not being with him. I don't know what, what I, you know. One of those situations where he it felt like that there had been meetings where he's like, guys, this is. This is not good. This is way too obvious. You're all going to go to jail, and I'm not going to be around it. Yeah, that's definitely the one thing you learn about a hunter, especially going through this. Obviously, a guy who leaves his laptop at a computer store is not necessarily yeah. known for his his high level of being discreet. Uh, but, like, you know, these messages he's sending are straight out admitting that he's doing this stuff, right? He he is saying mm-hmm. to Chinese sources, to Devin Archer, that this is what they're doing. They're trading on my name. I know they're trading on my name. This is what I'm in business to do. And of course, that's something that's usually just said left unsaid. We all know this stuff happens. They were right. admitting it constantly in texts, in WhatsApp messages, in emails. And that's why so this is so easy for everyone to piece together. Representative Jim Jordan, the House ranking member, is going to talk about uh, launching the inquiry into the sweetheart deal next. The Glenn Beck Program. American Financing, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Did you ever imagine back when you were just turning into an adult that you'd be where you are today? Kids, grandkids, responsibilities, assets, liabilities. How about debt? Don't you remember how you always figured you weren't going to get into debt, especially credit card debt? What happened to that goal? Easy. Life. That's what happened. And now, whether you're just dealing with some debt or you're up to your eyeballs in it, you've got to contend with the rising cost of goods and services and massive inflation and the uh, rising interest rates. It's an uphill battle every day. I know it. You know it. 
Now, this isn't right for everybody, but I want you to check into it if you're up to your eyeballs in debt, especially credit card debt. You're paying probably 20% interest rate. You're never going to get behind that eight ball, never going to get away from it. So what do you do? Call American Financing right now at 800-906-2440. A refi consolidation loan may be the right thing for you. 800-906-2440. AmericanFinancing.net. Head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn and use the promo code Glenn. Get access to Blaze TV and save. Jim Jordan is joining us here in just a couple of seconds. Uh, he is launching a new investigation and demanding documents and information uh, on the Hunter Biden case uh, because of the unusual plea and pretrial diversion agreements where he would have been washed clean of everything, everything. Uh, and so he, he wants several questions answered. Other than the Biden case, how many times in the last 10 years has the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Delaware included in pretrial diversion agreement a provision similar to paragraph 14, which is... We're going to wash your record clean on everything. Uh, other than Mr. Biden's case, how many times last 10 years has any unit of the department included in a pretrial div- uh, diversion agreement a provision similar to 14? What percentage of the total pretrial diversion agreements entered into by the department does that number represent? It's going to be 100%. Other than Biden's case, how many times in the last 10 years has the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Delaware included a pretrial diversion agreement uh, and an agreement not to prosecute crimes that are unrelated to the charge? Other than his case, how many times in the last 10 years has the department included a pretrial agreement not to prosecute crimes that are unrelated? Uh, What percentage of the total pretrial uh, diversion agreements entered represent that number? Again, he's just going through and wanting to know, you know, in the last 10 years, hmm, what what are we looking at here? What are we looking at? How rare is this? And they're saying the speculation is uh, like never before. So let's go to uh, let's go to Jim Jordan. Hello, Jim. Hey, Glenn. How are you? Very good. I, you know, I was having dinner with a couple of friends last night and we, your name came up and we are so grateful that you got the job that you did. Uh, and and you're doing just an amazing, amazing work. You really are. So thank you for that. Well, you're, well, you're doing you're doing great work. We appreciate that. So. Uh... Keep it up to Okay, so let, let's talk a little bit about uh, what's going on. Let's start with the inquiry yeah. into the sweetheart uh, deal. Tell me yeah. about that. Well, the judge smelled a rat. Uh, and, and, you know, the key part of that transcript, I would encourage all your listeners to read that transcript because you can, like, you, get, you know how you read this, you get inside the mind, yeah. and see what the back and forth is like. And it was, uh, and it was um, particularly when, they, she asked, "Has there ever been a deal like this before? Is this is this un, uh, is this is there any precedent for this?" And, the, and the, the government lawyer, the DOJ lawyer, says, "No, Your Honor, never been a deal like this." Because what they tried to do was put the I think this sort of immunity agreement they had with the handshake and a wink between the defense attorneys and, and the DOJ attorneys. They put it in the in the diversion part of the agreement, not in the plea deal itself, which the judge has to sign off on the plea deal. And she asked the right question. She stopped it, and I think uh, that. That sort of says it all. And then you couple that with yeah. what we learned with David Weiss and the, the fact that he has said three different things in a five-week time frame 
three different letters about what he can and can't do. His story keeps changing. The IRS whistleblower yep. story that came forth, their, their testimony was consistent and, frankly, validated by an FBI witness we also deposed. So th- that, to me, I think just, just, just shows uh, how, how wrong this agreement was and why the judge says, time out, time out. We're taking 30 days. We're going to get this right if we're going to do it at all. Jim, be more generous than Mother Teresa would be on this on the answer to this question. <laughs> the the I mean, try to really give the benefit of the doubt here. The press keeps saying, you know, the, all these accusations, but so far there's been no evidence of any wrongdoing. Um, well, boy, I'm having a hard time with that. I mean, it seems to be mountains of evidence. Well, l- how would you describe the, the evidence? Well, I would say this. Think about think about what witnesses have said. So, uh, first, you have Tony Bobolinsky, two and a half years ago, business partner of Hunter Biden, saying that that email that says that the big guy, ten percent for the big guy, that in fact is Joe Biden. We know that email came from the laptop that the FBI has now admitted is real. Even they knew it was real at the time and didn't tell us, but they've now admitted that the laptop is real. We know it is real. So you have that. Then you have the WhatsApp message where. Uh, from that, which says, um, Hunter Biden says, I'm sitting by my dad, send the money or else, basically. Uh, then you have the 1023 form, which you have the folks from Burisma saying, confidential human source, saying he's talked to foreign nationals who talk about this, this, this payment for policy decisions. And then, of course, you have the testimony we got Monday from Devin Archer, where right. he talks about the meeting in Dubai, December 4th, 2015, the meeting in Dubai between Archer, Hunter Biden, Zolachevsky, and Pazarsky. Zolachevsky and Pazarsky are the guys who run Burisma. They say in that meeting with the two guys, Archer and, and Hunter Biden, they say we need the U.S. government to get involved. We're under all kinds of pressure, pressure from the Ukrainian prosecutor, pressure in Great Britain where they've seized 23 million of our assets. We've got all kinds of pressure five days later, literally five days later. Joe Biden is in Ukraine. He gives a speech criticizing the prosecutor in Ukraine, which begins to lay the foundation for what happens a few months later, which is where the prosecutor is fired in order for Ukraine to get the one billion dollars. So that, those are the things that keep kind of piling up, not to mention the suspicious activity reports, the number of different companies moving money in and out of and paying all kinds of Biden. Correct. With that money. They keep so, they I keep saying that, that Joe Biden. It, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I, 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 the Democrats say this, this, this illusion of access, that sure doesn't look like an illusion. It looks like some pretty, pretty yes. compelling facts right. to me. They keep saying that Joe Biden doesn't, hasn't gotten any money, which I haven't seen any proof that he has gotten any money. However, we do know that Hunter was paying dad's bills. We know that Hunter said in uh, text on the laptop to his, the rest of his family, dad takes 50% of what we earn. We know that the shell corporations that have no, they have no experience in any of the stuff that they were doing as a family. And we know the money was going in suspiciously earmarked uh, by the banks as looks like money laundering. We know all of this. Yeah. How difficult is it to tie it together legally? Yeah. It, it, you know, the, 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 one of the things that came out after the Devin Archer uh, interview on Monday was the Democrats said, well, you know, there was these multiple times where Hunter Biden puts his dad on the phone and it's with business partners and, and clients and people they're doing business with, but they never really talked about any, they never talked about business. 
Well, I didn't expect him to, for goodness sake. I think the key was what, what Devin Archer testified Correct. to. He said the value Hunter Biden brought to the business arrangement was the Biden brand. And the Biden brand, he was clear about this, the Biden brand is Joe Biden. And so, of course, he's not going to talk about business. He's going to put, hey, guys, say hello to the vice president. Hey, guys, my dad wants to say hello to you. That was the value in and of itself right there. And, of course, the White House's story has changed, just like David Weiss's story has changed. The White House said, no, the president had no involvement, never talked to, never was involved, didn't know anything about it. And, of course, that story has changed now over time as well. Now, is there any chance, uh, again, be Mother (laughs) Teresa, is there any chance that the sitting vice president um, calls in and is introduced to a meeting of the leaders of Burisma and he's in charge of trying to get corruption ended and he doesn't know that one of the guys that leads Burisma is one of the most violent oligarchs in Ukraine. (laughs) Any chance that he didn't know that? I don't think so because our State Department knew that. Our State Department initially had concerns about Burisma and Hunter Biden's involvement. That came out in the impeachment, the crazy impeachment they tried on President Trump four years ago back in uh back in 2019 and oh by the way that meeting in dubai on december 4th 2015 there was also a phone call now this is interesting how devin archer explained this he said there was a phone call but he wasn't a part of that phone call he was on a different part of the hotel a different part of the deck he said and they were on another part of the deck there at the four seasons and there was a phone call to dc we don't know who it was to devin archer said i don't know who it was to but it was to D.C. So was it to Joe Biden? We don't know. Mr. Archer wouldn't testify to that. He did. He said he didn't know. Um, but it was to D.C. And, of course, we'll, we'll okay. have to try to figure that one out. So dad just calls in once in a while or he or, um, you know, the son calls dad during dinner meetings uh, over in Ukraine or in Europe. If he's having dinner over in Europe, uh, dinner meetings, it's probably eight, nine o'clock over in Europe. Is is dad just uh, awake calling his son at three o'clock in the morning or I I mean, the time difference is never talked about here. Yeah, no, that's an interesting take. And yeah, I would say like what Dubai would probably be like a nine hour difference i'm guessing and yeah called dc yeah. so if it's late at night i guess it could yeah it's, it's, it's probably early certainly early in the morning uh, i don't know I oh don't, yeah that, that's something that yeah probably in the course of our investigation we'll have to we'll have to dig into a little bit more as well um um but yeah you're 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 exactly right it makes us now but there was also understand there was also meetings in dc with um dinner meetings with correct uh, Hunter Biden and his business partners, the Cafe Milano in Georgetown, as Mr. Archer testified to this mm-hmm. as well. There are meetings in D.C., mm-hmm. I think 2014, 2015, and one of those dinners, and Joe Biden was there for the whole dinner. It wasn't just a drop by, um, you know, it wasn't just like, like the phone call, hey, say hello, where he drops by, shakes some hands and leaves. Mr. Archer said he stayed for the entire dinner. And in one of those dinners, of course, you have Elena Baterina, who was the wealthiest woman in Russia, uh, wife of the uh, former mayor of, of Moscow, who had paid Hunter Biden significant, several million dollars, and she's there for the entire dinner as well. So that, I think, is, is, is interesting, interesting fact. Uh, and that's something sure. that they said he, he didn't do, but of course, Mr. Archer said, Correct. yes, in fact, he was there for the entire dinner. One more thing. There was a, an interesting article written by uh, Joel Pollack that I saw this morning that they are talking uh, that, that we should be pushing to have Congress uh, uh, 
nullify the first impeachment of Donald Trump because yeah. the whole thing was he was trying to, you know, get the president of Ukraine to look into what the dirty dealings were. And they said that was dirty dealing. And it yeah. looks now like, no, there was a really good reason to ask for that. It sure does. And we suspected that at the time. <laughs> it sure does. And yep. I'm, I'm all for the, the expungement. Uh, I think it's uh, Congresswoman Stefanik, and, and I forget who else is sponsoring that. But, uh, yeah, we should we, – that, that, I'm, I'm totally for that. Um, but, yeah, th- th- it's always amazing. It, and remember, that was an impeachment based on an anonymous whistleblower with no firsthand knowledge who, was, who had a bias, seen bias against the president and who had previously worked for Joe Biden. That was the source. And we couldn't know this whistleblower. No, we couldn't. He couldn't testify. Um, compare that to Gary Shapley and Mr. Ziegler and how they stood up under pressure in a hearing, how their story has not wavered. Their testimony has been consistent. Their story has their testimony has been backed up by an FBI agent. Compare the two. And they tried to impeach a president. So, of course, we should do that. So the, the last question, compare this to Nixon better or worse for joe biden than the trouble nixon was in well i think i think the key is we just got to keep doing our job and our our job our constitutional duty frankly is to provide oversight do oversight do the investigation to get the facts because the facts influence what kind of legislation you propose and pass and implement uh what you do with the appropriations process and how these agencies are funded just continue to do our job Bring the facts forward. Let me point out one thing that, that has happened because of, of oversight we've done. It's a different area, but I think it's important, Glenn. Remember when we found out Matt Taibbi was testifying in front of our committee. Democrats were trying to yes. divulge sources. He, he, he gives them a lecture in the, in the First Amendment, for goodness sake. At the very moment he's testifying, and he's being attacked. A Democrat, by the way, by the mm-hmm. way, a Democrat member of the, of the press being attacked. The IRS is knocking on his door. Did you see what the IRS announced two weeks? And we made a big deal of this. We, we, we dug into We found out there was a dossier on Taibbi. They were looking, before they went to his door, they were looking, did he have right. a field carry permit? What was his voting record? We find out the IRS makes a change. The IRS says we will no longer be sending agents unannounced visits to Americans' homes. That doesn't happen but for us doing our duty, doing the oversight work we're supposed to do. Now, of course, the IRS says, oh, we're, 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 we did this for agent safety. Bull roar. They did it because they <laughs> playing this kind of game. And it, it wasn't right. just Taibbi. We, we had a person in Ohio where they did this, and the person came to her door and used an alias. He tried to pretend he was somebody else. And the local police thought it was a scam. They were getting ready to arrest the guy. And it turned out he's an IRS agent. So, yeah, but, and, and they try to say it's because they're concerned about their agent safety. Give me a break. It was because they were harassing the American people. That's, that's why you do oversight, because it can affect real change. Uh, Jim, uh, I uh, I'd like to talk to you off air. Uh, some things are uh, things are happening uh, in my world that uh, sure. probably should be heard. Um, some some really dirty business is going on. Um, so yep. I'd like to bring it to your attention off air. Um, yep. Thank you so much, Jim. I appreciate you everything bet. you're doing. God bless you. Bet. you. You bet. You. All right. Uh, let me let me talk to you a little bit about our sponsor this half hour. It's uh, P- Patriot Mobile. Standing up for what you believe in is challenging. Uh, I've been doing it for quite some time, and it's really hard sometimes. But there are basic things that you can do that you can stand up and do. And uh, I mean, sure, the IRS may come knocking at your door or not. Um, but uh 
there this is an easy place to start and that is doing business with companies that are trying to save the republic as well they are not part of this esg corrupt business you know public partnership public private partnership and one of those is patriot mobile now they're america's only christian conservative wireless provider they offer dependable nationwide coverage on all three networks so you get the same great coverage that you have if you love your coverage you're like oh i gotta have this great you'll get the same coverage because they're on the same towers as all three of them all right so you can make the switch and you can save a lot of money as well patriotmobile.com slash back if you go there or call 878 patriot today you'll get free activation if you use the offer code back ask about their coverage guarantee while you're there get the same dependable service and take a stand Make the switch today. PatriotMobile.com slash back. PatriotMobile.com slash back or call 878-PATRIOT. Join the conversation. 888-727-BECK. The Glenn Beck Program. Hello and welcome to the program. Uh, we have uh, Chadwick Moore on. He is the Spectator contributing editor and columnist, and he has written a new book called Tucker, an unprecedented look into Tucker Carlson's life with Tucker's permission. Uh, he's got some he's got some things uh, to talk about, you know, with the Devin Archer interview. Fox News is refusing to cover it, which is causing a uh, a hailstorm inside of Fox. We'll get all of the details coming up. The Glenn Beck Program. Let me tell you about uh, Jace Medical. You've heard me talking about Jace and the Jace case for a while. That's where you can get five of the most important antibiotics for emergency use. You can have them in your home and you can take them on vacation like we did just recently and came in really handy. They're launching a new product called Jace Daily. And this is a prescription supply service that allows you to get up to 12-month backup supply of your prescription medication in case of an emergency. This covers everything. You have diabetes, uh, how long are you gonna last without your medication? Cholesterol, heart health, blood pressure, mental health, all of it. Your order will be reserved, uh, reviewed by a certified healthcare professional delivered right to your door. You'll have the peace of mind knowing that if anything happens with the supply chain, you are prepared medically as well. Jace Medical. JaceMedical.com. Enter the promo code BECK at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code BECK, J-A-S-E Medical.com. Here is the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America. We have Chadwick Moore on with us. He is the author of the new biography out on Tucker Carlson. 
done, obviously, with Tucker Carlson. It's called Tucker. Uh, we have so much to talk to. I just want to get right to it in 60 seconds. But here is the best news. I'm paying for this commercial because it's my company, realestateagentsitrust.com. So I'm going to make it really pithy. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Get a great real estate agent. Buy and sell a house the right way. You're going to love these people. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Done. Okay. Now, let's get right to Chadwick Moore. Chadwick is the author of Tucker, uh, the new book that is out. Welcome, Chadwick. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me on. You bet. You bet. So let's talk a little bit about how this came about, the biography. Sure. It was we began early last spring uh, in in 2022. Uh, Basically, my publisher called me up and said we want to do a book about Tucker Carlson. We think he's the most important and influential voice in American politics today. And they wanted me to write it. And uh, very honored and flattered. And I called up Tucker and, uh, you know, at first he sort of was like, oh, I don't, you know, I'm not very interesting. And, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't think anyone want to read this book. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, I'd been on his show right. for many, many years and, and we knew each other that way. And, and you know, he, he sort of said, you know, well, I read your columns all the time. And I love your writing. And yeah, let's go for it. Why not? And from there, we were we were off to the races. Now, you spent about 100 hours with him up at his home in Maine and in Florida. What was what was the thing that maybe surprised you the most about his his life? I think, you know, it's the fact that he isn't someone who can just talk about politics all day long. You know, he's very his interests are very wide ranging and deep. And, and his level of um, the, the extent he goes to to humble himself and to remind himself that he is not God, uh, which is, you know, something right. that he t- sort of reminds himself all the time was, you know, really impressive and kind of a wonderful thing to, to get to know about him. Uh, you know, he's uh, someone who he's, he's very spiritual without having overt uh, theocratic language and, and, and theology taught to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's, he's very spiritual and he does really see the current political paradigm is one versus is good versus evil, uh, which I think sort of, you know, frightens a lot of people in mainstream conservatism. So he is um, uh, he's going through a spiritual awakening that unlike I've seen uh, very often, uh, he's reading the Bible every day. He is praying about it every day. Um, and like you said, he, there's no um, dogma behind it he is just going through an, an awakening were you around uh for that because i think that's relatively new yeah it does seem relatively new he was raised episcopalian uh which he sort of says you know he's not even sure if that's a christian christian religion anymore with the direction that the church has gone <laughs> but I, I, I certainly um saw that part of him for sure and he um you know, just the way he talks about the world, um, you know, and, and uh, something, you know, if you talk, something about, you know, climate change, for example, he's very passionate about the environment, the actual environment, not the green, whatever yeah. is going on. But the way he would speak of the environment and, and basically man's feebleness when it comes to something like controlling the weather, <laughs> which can extend into, you know, man's right. feebleness really in controlling many things in the world. Um, you know, it, there was a very spiritual language and motivation behind that and the way that he is now seeing the world. And, and I certainly got to see that and, and, and to write about it. 
You were there when he uh, left Fox, um, and Tucker and I have talked about it, that I think it's very interesting. In the end, uh, with me, one of the things that Fox was uh, very clear about was stop talking about God. And at the end with Tucker, he is he is talking more and more about what's happening in spiritual terms. And I know that drives Murdoch crazy. Do you think that played a role in in his exit? So there was plenty of speculation about that. It may have been one of the many reasons why they wanted to get rid of him. Uh, interestingly, uh, back in February, uh, this most past February, Tucker had, had dinner with Rupert Murdoch and his then fiance, and th- his fiance right. had described Tucker as a messenger from God to Rupert. People around Rupert had reported that that freaked him out. He didn't like that. That may have added to it. And 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 uh, the, just the weekend before he. Uh, his show was taken off the air. He gave a speech to the Heritage Foundation, and he was speaking in terms of, of, of religiosity. And he used, you know, the words good and evil when describing what was happening in American politics. Um, and, and people have been saying for many years, and, and as you just said, that, 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 you know, talk of God and Christianity really freaks out the Murdochs. Um, so that certainly could have contributed to it. So when you have um, uh, Tucker and he's, you know, you're with him at Fox, um, I take it he was quite surprised uh, when they called him in and said, you're leaving, correct? Yes, he was, for sure. Um, he, it, uh, it, the day it happened, April 23rd, happened to be the six-year anniversary of his show moving into the 8 p.m. time slot. And when Suzanne Scott, mm. the president of Fox News, called him up uh, that day, he thought that she was calling to congratulate him on the anniversary. And instead, she simply said, uh, we're taking your show off the air, goodbye. They still have not given him an official explanation. He's still an employee of Fox News, as we're speaking. And, uh, you know, I got to interview him a couple times after that moment. Um, and uh, he was certainly shocked. Uh, and his entire team was. Um, and uh, but he, you know, he knows he hasn't done anything wrong. He told me that, you know, if he had done yeah. something wrong, if he'd embarrassed himself or embarrassed his family, he'd feel badly. But he can't feel badly because um, he didn't do anything wrong as far as he can see. The day he was uh, the show was canceled, he was planning on talking about Ray Epps. Is that a coincidence? It's it's difficult to say. I, I saw his monologue that he planned to read on air that day. It was um, heavily about Ray Epps and about January 6th. It was also, uh, in, a, in a darkly ironic turn, it was about um, AOC and other members of government demanding that his show being taken off the air. Uh, they AOC had gone on MSNBC that weekend to basically say that Tucker should be arrested for uh, spreading misinformation or whatever word she's using. Mm. Um, and uh, he, he was, you know, the only person in mainstream media that was really digging into all of these strange uh, activities that happened on January 6th and really trying to investigate if the, the federal government was playing a role in that. Uh, and, and also the, this, this strange character, Ray Epps, who has been not been arrested and has been um, paraded around mainstream media as some kind of hero. Um, so that was one of many, a handful of issues that he was probably making a lot of enemies in very powerful places. And it certainly could have contributed to or been the reason why his show was taken off the air. So there, the Devin Archer interview that he did last night on Twitter or X or whatever you're supposed to say now. Um, did you see that? I did. Yes. Okay. He, I think he played this expertly. Most people don't know. And I, I don't, 
I don't mean this in a bad way. I don't mean this in the way I would normally mean this. Um, Tucker grew up as a Washington elite. He knows that circle really, really well. Yet he is, when you get to know him, he is anything but the elite, I think, in many ways. He is, uh, he's just a normal guy. Um, but he used his knowledge, I thought, unbelievably well. And he was almost, he got Devin Archer to, to almost laugh about, like, we both know what's going on. And that led to some pretty shocking revelations last night. Um, am I reading him right on that? I think you, you really summed it up beautifully. That's sort of exactly what we watched happen. And it's interesting that the D.C. media wouldn't really find that stuff newsworthy. Either they want to protect people, they don't want to report on it, but Correct. they wouldn't find it newsworthy because they live in that world and it's so normal to them. Uh, Tucker realizes that, that it is normal to those people. It's not normal to 330 million Americans who live outside of D.C. And this is actually interesting. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh-huh. and he drugged that out of, of, of Devin Archer so masterfully and wonderfully. It was really something uh, spectacular to watch. So the former head writer for Tucker um, just tweeted, Fox News decision to ignore Tucker's interview with Devin Archer is infuriating employees who still believe in covering news. Quote from one host, are you effing kidding me? How do we not cover this? He got Hunter Biden's business partner to casually admit all on a Twitter video. Another top Fox source says the amount of agitation in this building over not being able to use any of Tucker and Devin Archer's sound. Just tons of groaning and cursing from producers and a couple of anchors that it's gold and we're not allowed to touch it, use it, or refer to it. They also didn't cover uh, the uh, the interviews with all of the candidates, which I think was game-changing. Um, you know, I was sitting uh, there at the anchor desk watching him on stage as we covered it at the Blaze, and universally it was, this is game-changing. Totally game-changing. And it was Tucker. Where is, what is happening at Fox? Is there, is there more? There's speculation that he did a uh, interview with Trump that they never aired, that he had other things from January 6th that they never allowed aired. Is any of that true? That, that Blaze Media Summit from Iowa was such amazing television or, or broadcasting, whatever we're calling it on the Internet, and I was watching yeah. that, and I felt like even the quality of the commentary was so far beyond anything you would have ever seen on mainstream media. All the commentators were so smart and funny. And I'm, I'm not just trying to, you know, butter you up. I really mean this, uh, and I have a point. <laughs> but, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, it, it, was, it was these commentators speaking on the level of Republican voters, like, like they're having drinks with them at a bar. And you, it made me realize that you would yeah. never see that level of connection with voters on Fox or mainstream media. So that felt like a huge never. turn in independent media eclipsing mainstream media. And then uh, with Fox being, nobody on Fox is allowed to say the T word, Tucker. And, and I know that from, right. you know, I got kicked off Fox after I wrote this book. And it was, uh, the fact that he's breaking news now and they can't talk about it. It's so funny to watch. It's amazing. With, with the stuff that, that Tucker did, so um, there's a bunch of interviews people are talking about. As far as I understand it, you know, Fox News owns that. It's their property. So I don't think he can do much with it. But, uh, you know, there's certainly lots of uh, more January 6th reporting that they had that 
they're not able to show. Tucker's not able to show on Twitter because Fox owns it, uh, and several other interviews related to that. Um, it's it's mm-hmm. uh, it's amazing to watch uh, how this is all unfolding and how Fox has really crippled themselves. Uh, yeah, I think they're I think they're over. I mean, it, I've never seen anything burn down so fast as uh, as this. Well, other than, other than the Biden presidency, um, you <laughs> you talk about in the book uh, that Tucker emphasizes and I'm just going to quote you here, the importance of having people around who see him as a person rather than a television personality. Who were those well, those people? Well, it, you know, he's become such a, a caricature in, in, in the right, or on the, on the left, as a sort of demonic force of all evil. And on the right, he's also, uh, the establishment right, sort of portrayed as reckless and dangerous. Um, but, you know, you get to know him in his personal life, and, you know, his, his relationship with his wife, Susie, is, is really sort of a storybook, uh, as, as storybook as it could get. They're so in love with each other. It's so lovely to watch them interact with one another, as I got to many times. And, you know, they met when they were in high school and they were 15 years old and they've been together ever since. Uh, and, you know, Tucker has surrounds himself with, with people he can trust. His, his whole team at Fox, uh, there was no um, backstabbing. There were, you know, everyone trusted one another. They really loved one another. Uh, nobody was out to subvert anyone else, uh, which, is, which is rare in media and especially in television. Um, and it, probably because he was such a good leader and they really believed in what he was doing. Uh, another reason why half the team voluntarily left Fox when he was, when his show was taken off the air, the other half was um, uh, unceremoniously fired in one fell swoop uh, last month. Um, but he uh, it really makes it effort. on the it day was, on the day of the uh, Blaze Summit. It, it, he was making all kinds of news, and that was the day they marched everybody out after the show. It, it, I mean, it's. Uh, it was brutal. It was brutal. Um, hang on just a second, uh, Chadwick. I appreciate it. We're talking to uh, Chadwick Moore. He is the author of the new book, Tucker, uh, it, which was done with Tucker's knowledge uh, and a real great inside look. Easy to read, really well written. An inside look uh, behind the scenes with of Tucker Carlson. More with him in just a second. Sarah, if you could have some one of our producers ask if he can stay on uh, past the bottom of the hour to the, to the next break, another half hour or so, that would be great. Just let me know. Uh, let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It is, uh, let me see, it is MyPillow. If you've, if you've ever spent a full 20 years providing people with great products that help them sleep better, it must feel pretty nice. 20 years of doing anything, of helping people, must feel good. Um, you know, what I provide you really is 20 years of keeping you awake. So that's not so great. Mike Lindell has taken the opposite approach, and he's helping you go to sleep. Now, for a limited time on their 20th anniversary, MyPillow is offering you a free gift valued at 20 bucks. No purchase is necessary. When you head on over to MyPillow, you'll see the great offers. You'll get the $20 offer right on the main page. While you're there, check out all of the deep discounts on what they have going on for some of their most loved products. They are turning 20 
and they want to celebrate with you with deep, deep discounts. To access these discounts, just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener special squares, then use the promo code BECK, or you can call them at 800-966-3117. Remember, check out the free gift, valued at 20 bucks, no purchase is necessary. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-966-3117, 800-966-3117. Use the promo code Back 10 seconds station ID. Free to jump in. You write in the book about the death of his uh, mother. Can you take us through that and and how that affected him and the moment he opened up to you about it? Sure. So his mother, uh, her name is Lisa Lombardi. She abandoned her, she was a San Francisco socialite, uh, and uh, she abandoned her family when Tucker was six years old. She decided that she wanted to be a sort of art world, bohemian kind of grifter type. Uh, She moved to Los Angeles. Uh, I spoke to people who knew her, who were in that scene and got their impressions of her, Uh, but he never saw her again um, since then, since she was six years old. Uh, She died when, uh, in 2011. Uh, they found out in, in typical fashion of, of, of Tucker's father, Dick Carlson, they found out they were moving some boxes from a U-Haul, him and his brother and Dick and Susie, his wife was standing by and Dick just said, Oh yeah, Lisa died today. And then picked up another box and walked away and they all sort of stopped and said, what? Wow. Um, but, uh, he did, uh, he did speak to her twice in his life. Uh, she called him and she was drunk and she, she had a problem with drugs and alcohol and uh, he just simply had said to her, um, uh, you know, if you want to talk, call me when you're sober. Uh, and then that never happened. Uh, and, um, you know, he said to me that, that he was grateful. You know, he doesn't really see himself as a victim, obviously. And, um, you know, he comes from a long lineage that I wrote about the book of, of dysfunction and abandonment. His father, Dick, was an orphan. Um, his, his biological grandfather, Dick's father, committed suicide. Um, uh, Dick's adopted father died at a young age. Uh, and, uh, but Tucker said that, you know, he felt lucky that, uh, he didn't have to grow up in the ha- same household as a crazy person, meaning his mother. Uh, you know, some Correct, people, if yeah. he had stuck around, um, you know, he, it might've really affected him negatively, uh, had he had to go through that. Uh, so he has a very you know positive take on it. Uh, and, you know, I asked Susie, his wife, you know, how he, how she thought it affected him. And, you know, she sort of said, of course it has to, but he, he never says, uh, you know, he never complains or, 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 you know, wishes he had a relationship with her so did that play a role in his i hate to use this word because he's not an alcoholic but his sobriety he just gave up all alcohol and um he has a a real respect for people and a different understanding of people who are in recovery and give up alcohol yeah, I, you know, I, I suspect maybe he saw that, that gene in him because of Lisa's mother. And he gave up alcohol uh, over 30 years ago. Um, and, you know, he wasn't like a mean drunk or a violent drunk, uh, but he, you yeah. know, had a problem. He was drinking a lot. Uh, he also, you know, he, he does have a sympathy for people who uh, are in recovery or sober. He, he hires a lot of people who are, who are sober. Uh, he was also had a friendship with Hunter Biden that I write about in the book. Uh, and most of that friendship was not only based on them being, you know, DC people, but on sobriety. And he, he described 
to me that there are two types of sober people. There are the types that are grateful every day to be sober, and Tucker's one of those, and the type who's one cocktail away from a bender, and, and that's how he sort of characterized yeah. Hunter. And, uh, you know, he, 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 you know, sort of spoke very, uh, with, with a lot of emotion about how awful it is, the things that Hunter has done to embarrass his family and his father, because he said to me that, you know, the love between Hunter and his dad, despite the alleged corruption and everything else going on, the love there is real. And he, you know, truly believes that they do love each other very much, despite, um, you know, everything Hunter has done to embarrass his family and his father. I find that I find that weird and hard to believe. But I want to talk to you more about Hunter's uh, family, his uh, his upbringing, and I want to go back to what you just said about Hunter and uh, and Joe. Uh, we'll do that in just a second. The name of the book is called Tucker, uh, and it is a biography of Tucker Carlson, written by Chadwick Moore. Uh, and I, I don't know what how much of a hand uh, Tucker had in it other than just, you know, spilling his guts. But we'll talk about that as well with Chadwick Moore next. The Glenn Beck Program. Sponsor this half hour is Rough Greens. Veronica wrote in about her dog's experience with Rough Greens. She says, I have a 12-year-old Labrador. And after one week of giving her Rough Greens, we saw a crazy improvement. Her eyes became clearer, and I had to look twice when she was coming bounding up the stairs. She hadn't done that in a while. This product is really amazing. Thank you, Rough Greens. Veronica, that is exactly how I felt about uh, Uno. I couldn't believe, A, that he was eating. I mean, we used to, literally, there would be many times that you would have to hand feed Uno. Uh, He just wouldn't eat. So he ate. That was the first thing. And then his energy and the way he moved, the way he lived was just totally different. If you're not feeding your dog uh, Rough Greens, please try it. They're going to give you a first bag free. It has vitamins, minerals, probiotics, antioxidants in it. It's not a dog food. It's something you sprinkle on your dog's food. They love it. First trial bag free. Just pay for shipping. Call 833-GLEN-33. 833-GLEN-N-33. Roughgreens.com, 833-GLEN33. And it's blazetv.com slash Glenn. Just use the promo code Glenn and you'll save 10 bucks off your annual subscription to Blaze TV. This is the Glenn Beck Program. We're talking to Chadwick Moore, who's written the new book uh, called Tucker, um, and he's made it clear that it's not an authorized biography, but rather an independent biography. Um, Chadwick, what's the distinction? What what what's the difference here? And what role did Tucker play in the writing or editing of this book? Sure. Uh, well, the, the term authorized biography is um, can mean one of two things. It can mean that the subject simply gave you permission to write about them and gave you tons of access, uh, which was the case here. Or it can mean the subject wanted a book to be written about them. They selected a writer. They had editorial control. Um, that's not the case here. So uh, Tucker okay. has um, gave us permission, and um, but he's not asked to read a word of the book. Um, and, you know, he's totally trusted me and trusted my judgment and to put in whatever I wanted to uh, while, you know, giving me access. Um, he's uh, he had no editorial control at all. It was totally independent. Um, he's, uh, as far as I know, I don't think he's read it yet, but, um, his, his executive producer, Justin, mm. and several members of his team have read it. Uh, they, they really enjoyed it. Um, but, 
he again he has a rule that he doesn't read anything about himself. Uh, so I, I'm not sure yeah. if he'll stick to that rule this time or not. But it probably helps to keep him safe. Right. Yeah, no, it's I'm I have found that um, you know I tell my kids all the time the people who hate me. That's not who they don't know who I am. And the people who deeply, deeply love me and like, you are the greatest. They also don't know who I am. The truth is, <laughs> you know, somewhere, I guess, in between. So it's just frustrating reading anything about yourself. Um, I. Uh, uh, a few years ago, I don't think Tucker and I really uh, liked or appreciated one another. I thought he was a fraud. I think he thinks that I uh, he I, I believe he thought at the time I was a fraud. And we've both learned that, holy cow, no, there's something deep uh, behind each one of us. And we become very good friends. Um, is that a is that just time catching up with us? Have the has the game changed so much that um you know, he has changed. I know I have. Has he changed over the years? Or is it just, you know, Reagan said, you know, everybody has their window and just all of a sudden you can say the same things and then boom, you fall into the slot that is your time. And then eventually, you you know, time passes you again. What What's happened with Tucker? Is he is the same or does he believe things now that he, he may not have believed, uh, you know, five or ten years ago? Well, he had uh, an experience uh, where he was in a plane crash in uh, the Middle East that I write about in the book. This was, um, you know, maybe 20 years ago, uh, maybe not quite that long ago. And, um, you know, he sort of had this moment where he, you know, asked himself, like, is, you know, I guess he thought he was going to die. And, and, you know, is he happy with his life? And, and has he lived his life the best way possible? And the answer was no at that time. I think since that moment, you know, he maybe went on what we were talking about earlier, that more spiritual journey. I think he's probably, um, you know, maybe it's, it's to do with age, maybe it's to do with um, any number of factors that you do maybe become softer as you get older. You begin to appreciate people more around you and, uh, and not maybe so quick to judge. Um, I think that, yeah. he's, you know, expressed regret before about judging too quickly other people and maybe even other scenarios. Yeah. And, uh, and he's apologized for that when he mischaracterized or misjudged. So it is. Um, it's interesting. Let me go back to the family. He he's told me recently, and I think this is a great quality. He judges somebody um, quickly when he has to make a snap on how they treat their family and the relationship that they have with one another. And if the family isn't first, that says something about an individual. You were just saying that he he really thinks that uh, Joe and Hunter really love each other. I can't get past because I come from an alcoholic family. I'm an alcoholic. I cannot get past the fact that this is an abusive relationship. I think all the way around, um, you know, you don't put Hunter into a position to where he's, you know, creating the illusion of selling access to you. Put him in charge with all of that money. Keep bailing him out over and over and over again. That is that is destructive behavior all the way around. And it, it just seems to me that, you know, how how is that love with a family? And and then on the reverse side, what family gives your grandfather the keys to the car when he shouldn't be driving? 
what family puts their grandfather out in this humiliating fashion right now how was that love yeah that, <laughs> um that's i mean that is a wonderful point and especially when your son is an alcoholic and drug addict and and right. uh, is, is not a very stable person ruining this kind of responsibility on him and, and maybe pimping him out in that way uh yeah i'd have to agree with you uh you know the way that that, that tucker described it he you know i don't know maybe he was talking more on a more animalistic level but it's uh he he described the biden as being very tribal uh which which he said he appreciated oh yeah uh, and he also said that they were the when he knew them they weren't you know liberals and trans activists they were catholics they weren't pro-abortion they were pro-gun now of course biden's um a trans activist and everything yeah. else and um, he, you know, he sort of said that uh, uh, Hunter's ex-wife, Kathleen, he had a lot of nice things to say about her, that she was very dutiful. Um, but sort of the culture you described, she would step up and attend and go on trips with Biden when Dr. Jill didn't want to. Uh, Tucker did not have nice things to say about Dr. Jill. And uh, but everything <laughs> was sort of evolved around Joe and Joe was the family business and the whole family needs to revolve around Joe and do anything he wants is the way he described the family. And then I guess, you know, Hunter's obviously the, the chief um, uh, lemming in that. The, um, the non-compete, uh, how is he getting away with, I mean, is it just because this is different and they didn't include, you know, Twitter and the internet? And I find that hard to believe. How is he, how did he find his way or or is he afraid that Fox News might come after him for the non-compete? So he, um, uh, I, I haven't seen his contract, but from what I understand right. is that Fox did not include Twitter in the non-compete. Uh, he is oh not gosh. being paid by Elon Musk, and he's not being paid by Twitter. Uh, so when Fox sent him a cease and desist uh, letter about his Twitter videos, they said that he was rendering services. Well, if he's not being paid legally, I do not think that constitutes rendering services. He seems to be really pushing <laughs> the envelope, especially with these uh, yeah. longer interviews. Uh, I think he's kind of poking the bear because he knows that the more Fox tries to silence him, the absolute worst situation is for them. They look terrible trying to do yep. it. Um, so yep. uh, it seems like he's kind of pushing the limits, and, and, it's, and it's kind of entertaining to watch. Let me just let me ask you just a couple of questions about you here for a sec before we before we end this. Uh, you were canceled in 2017. Can you tell me about that? Sure. Uh, it was um, right after the uh, inauguration of President Trump. I, I was uh, I worked in liberal media. I wrote the New York Times and I was editor at large for Out Magazine, The Advocates, and wrote for a bunch of places. And uh, I penned a piece in the New York Post uh, coming out as conservative. Uh, and I just basically <laughs> said, you know, I didn't want, uh, didn't want anyone to think that I was associated with these, these people on the left. And I believe in free speech and I don't think Trump is evil and I'm interested to see what he does. I don't think his supporters are, are bigots. Uh, and that was enough that I was fired from all my jobs and I lost all my friends. Amazing. And, uh, yeah. And that was the first time I met Tucker. He had me on his show, um, that following week to discuss the article. Uh, and, um, that was how I uh, got to know him. And since then I was a, a regular on the show until the last episode. So, um, so let me, let me take you into, into this a bit. Uh, I am shocked 
uh, because all the all the gay all my gay friends they are all looking at what's happening and uh, in the LGBTQ world and saying this is out of hand this is crazy this is crazy um, and they are not they're not down with all of this and I I can't imagine that there isn't a big surge of LGBs I guess LG yeah LGBs that aren't now finding themselves maybe not conservative but uh more in line with what the conservatives are saying and that is at least i am and the the conservatives that i know oh do whatever you want i don't I, i'm not here to regulate your marriage or anything else um that's for you to decide don't tell me what to regulate but this there is no difference between a man and a woman and all of that crap that's insanity Oh Can yeah. You tell me what's happening in the LGB community. Sure. I mean, you know, back when I in 2017 when I wrote that article and I'm a gay guy, the headline was I'm a I'm a gay New Yorker and I'm coming out conservative. Um, you know, it, it was there were a couple other prominent people, uh, but not many. Um, but since then, you know, there's thousands of these influencers on social media who are LGB and even some T's who are pro Republican Party, who are anti what the left is doing. The LGBT vote for Donald Trump, according to the New York Times, doubled in 2020 compared to 2016. It was uh, from uh, 16% to, or 14% to 28%, uh, which is almost a third, which is kind of amazing. Uh, and I think you're right that they've learned that all the, all the insane stuff being done in their name is unacceptable and, and borderlines on evil. It's destructive. It makes no sense. Uh, it's, it's illogical. Um, and, and if there's no such thing as gender, then there's obviously no such thing as homosexuality, et cetera, et cetera. We could go on forever. Um, and, but, uh, you know, so many of them privately would, would admit to this, probably the majority, but publicly it's like any of these kind of victim groups, they're too frightened to, publicly speak out. They're too frightened of losing their friends, not getting a date, you know, being uh, socially outcast, even though, you know, silently, most people, I would, I would think, um, agree with these things, even if they can't quite yet bring themselves to not vote for the Democrat Party. Chadwick, do you find this changing? Do you find this uh, people are waking up and becoming more strong or it's status quo? I do find that, that it is that way. And I think it's just winning over hearts and minds and, and, and education. Uh, you know, the, the, the left is so hell-bent on, on framing the Republican Party the way that they do. Uh, it's a lot of, um, you know, it, it's, it, it is happening. Uh, and there's no reason why gay people should, all, should vote exclusively Democrat, as with any other minority group. And people are catching on to it, but it doesn't happen overnight. Thank you so much for your hard work and your willingness to come out and uh, and really blow up your life as you knew it at the time. Uh, and thanks for the great book and the great read. And Tucker, thank you. Thank you so much. You bet. Chadwick Moore, he is the author of Tucker, the kind of unauthorized biography, if you will. Uh, all right. Let me tell you about our sponsor uh, this half hour. It is Mantis X. If you are a shooter, I'm sure you've noticed the price of ammo, and that might have kept you away from uh, the shooting range. You've got to keep your skill up. It is a perishable skill. I haven't been to a shooting range probably in a year and a half, maybe maybe two years. 
And I came up here at the ranch, and we decided to just go target uh, shooting. And I grabbed my handgun, and I hit, I don't remember if I had 17 rounds or 20 rounds, whatever it is, 21 rounds. But I missed two. Uh, and that, it, for somebody who hasn't shot at a range for two years, that's quite amazing. But I've been using Mantis X. Mantis X allows you to dry fire or go to the range. You put a little device on the uh, right on the barrel of the gun, and it tracks, you know, how you're pulling the trigger. Where are you pulling it down? You're going up to the left, to the right, and it shows you in real time. So you can track it, and then it shows you what you should be doing. It's like having a a, a, a shooting expert sitting next to you telling you exactly what you're doing but they're not using their eyes this is actually tracking it it's really really great the marines have been using it for a long time now it's used uh, over all of the general military to keep people um shooting and shooting accurately it's called mantis x easy to use start improving today get yours at mantisx.com that's mantisx.com the Glenn Beck Program. My son said to me the other day, he's like, Dad, there's a lot of books out about you and biographies and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep. And uh, all lies. Uh, I remember... One of them, I can't remember which one it was, but Jeffy, we found out Jeffy wasn't working with me, but he was a, an ex-producer at the time of mine, one of my first producers in talk radio. And this author found him and was like, I'm going to get the dirt. And so Je <laughs> Jeffy just made up all of this crap. <laughs> I mean, just made things up out of whole cloth. And uh, and they ended up being printed in the book. Yeah. And Jeffy calls us right after he gives the interview. And he says, I hope you don't mind. But here's what I told them. And we just laughed because we thought he had wasted this guy's time for hours. But he didn't waste it. The guy used it all. Yeah, we kind he of assumed of like this guy would be chasing down yeah. these wild goose chase type <laughs> stories, yeah. like trying to confirm them. Right. And then what we nah. learned was he just put them in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is incredible. So but it's so typical. I, I, I got to go back and... Yeah, go back. I gotta go back and see if I can get any of those books. <laughs> I should have them on my shelf. You really That's should. So funny. You really should. Um, I, I yeah. do think it would be interesting. I, have you thought about that sort of approach for yourself at some point? Like maybe cooperating with a journalist uh, who, you know, maybe isn't super friendly to you, but also doesn't hate your guts like 99% of journalists uh, and, and having your story written in that sort of form. I think it would be interesting. Know. There was a guy who used to guy who used to work uh for the New York Times magazine. I can't remember his name, but he wrote a very fair uh New York Times article about me, New York Times magazine, Sunday magazine. Um and at one point I think he asked if he could do a, a biography of me if I would participate and I didn't think anybody would be interested in it at the time. I still don't think anybody would be interested, but I don't know. I don't know. Eventually, someday, you know, in my life, maybe. I think it's important to... For, it's really... I, I, not even I mean, you. Who cares about you? But I do think the audience of... Uh, yeah. the, the, uh, the story of this audience should be told at some point by someone fair. But that I... That I am... 
interested in. I am interested in what this audience has accomplished because it's an amazing group of people. Amazing. You tell yes. people what this audience has done and their mouth is always hangs open. Wait, what? The Glenn Beck Program. Jonathan Isaac is, uh, he was a power forward for the Orlando Magic, which, you know me, I'm such a sports fan. I was like, yeah, that is forward of him and very powerful. And uh, wow, he's going to pull a, you know nothing about a hat trick out of his magic yeah. hat. Mm-hmm. No, you know oh, nothing about sports Go at on. all. <laughs> nothing. No, but I do know about good people and I do know about people who are standing up with courage and fighting and fighting wisely. He has just uh, uh, announced a new line of shoes and clothing and everything else called Unitas. Uh, We don't have to hide. Jonathan Isaac joins us in 60 seconds. But first, let me tell you about Preborn. There is good news on the abortion front. Thanks to you, Preborn has rescued so far this year 28,000 babies because of you 28,000 you know we talked just a minute ago about the amazing things this audience has done think about what how many lives you saved in Afghanistan how many lives you have saved by you know everybody's talking about uh, the uh, Tim Ballard movie that is out now about Operation Underground Railroad you finance not the movie you finance that mission that was you and now add this, 28,000 babies were saved this year alone. There are hundreds of thousands of mothers who are waiting for their babies to be born. Thousands upon thousands are taking their very first breaths because of you. You're having an impact, but that means we can do more. We can do more. $28, you can introduce an at-risk baby to their mom through a th- free ultrasound. That is the cost of going out to dinner. You can save a baby's life for $28. If you have the means, would you consider that $28? Would you consider a leadership gift and save babies in a big way? Your tax-deductible donation of $5,000 will sponsor Preborn's entire network for 24 hours, helping to rescue 200 babies. To donate, dial pound 250, say the keyword baby, that's pound 250, keyword baby, or donate securely at preborn.com slash Beck. That's preborn.com slash Beck. Excited to have Jonathan Isaac on with us. Hello, Jonathan. How are you? Hey, Glenn. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. 
You bet. It is great to have you uh, back. I wish uh, I wish we were speaking in person uh, just so I could tower over you and make you feel small. <laughs> but maybe that's maybe that's just me. Uh, so, Jonathan, tell me about Unitas and what you've done. Yes, Unitas is a values based alternative to sports and lifestyle leisure wear apparel. And very simply for me, values matter. I've been saying it for a long time. And as companies and corporations, especially in the sportswear field, continue to move farther away from godly principles and values and constitutional principle values, I thought it was time to create an alternative and give freedom-loving Americans, faith-loving Americans, the option to buy with their values. So you're making uh, leisure wear, sportswear, your shoes. What is that? What's out right now? And where do I get it? Appreciate you. Right now, we did our first kind of leisure wear drop, which is like hoodies, sweatpants, sweatshirt, T-shirts. Um, and that's just what it's going to be for right now. And you can head to We Are Unitas, U-N-I-T-U-S, WeAreUnitas.com. But we have big dreams about where we're going to go. I want to be in every single field, every sport. Um, I want you to be able to go from some of these other companies and get everything full in-house from Unitas. I'm going to be dropping a sneaker, a basketball sneaker that I'll be wearing this upcoming season, a bit closer to the season, Tom, so September, October, and also our first line of sportswear, sports bras, leggings, tank tops, uh, shorts, things like that. So we got a lot of things on the cusp, but I'm excited about the launch and how we're doing so far. I have to ask you, Jonathan, just because I've learned a lot from the Smithsonian and the time to ask is when it's happening and not years after. Uh, that mm-hmm. was what the American, uh, the, the guy who heads the American History Museum said to me. Um, I would love for my history museum. I don't know if you if you know this or if you came through our uh, history museum, but uh, we have we're only surpassed by the National Archives and the Library of Congress when it comes to founding documents. And we have expanded so much into all kinds of things that are game changing in the United States. And I think what you're doing is truly game changing. You, You are taking on the biggest industry i mean you're going you know head to head with nike and adidas and everybody else i think what you're doing is game changing may i get for the museum a prototype or a first you know edition of your shoes to be able to put into the museum right next to the nike betsy ross flag uh uh shoes that they pulled off the market 1,000%. I I definitely got you with that without a question. That's great. That's great. Um, So tell me, I mean, I love the fact that you say uh, Unitas. It starts with you, ends with us, but it does have knit right in the middle, which I don't know what means, but uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I love your slogan. Begins with you and ends with us. What does that mean to you? What, What it means to me is community. Um, I've been through a few things when it came to standing in the bubble and being the only one on my team to not get vaccinated. I know what it's like to stand alone or feel like you're standing alone. And I know that in today's day, there are so many Americans that feel the same way, but don't have the platform that I have or don't have the people around them um, that are encouraging them to stand up for what they believe in. So Unitas for me is uniting all of these people no matter what color you are, no matter what you do, if you understand the value and necessity of these values, 
and you want to see them represented in the marketplace and the culture, then Unitas is for you. And I want you to become a part of this community. So when you're out and about and you see somebody wearing Unitas, you know that that person gets it. You know that they stand for the same values that they stand for. Um, you may disagree on other things or, or maybe not, but you know that they have a foundation in faith, family, and freedom. And that's the community that I'm trying to build. So it starts with you. And I'm hoping that as time goes on, we're able to build this infrastructure of people ending with us. So in 2020, you were the lone NBA player not to kneel for the national anthem. And then we have COVID and you wouldn't take the vaccine. How scary of a time was that for you? <laughs> it, w- it was terribly scary. And, you know, it, it's died down a bunch now. But every time I think back about th- those time periods, it really was crazy. There was so much going on. There was so much hysteria. It was so polarizing. Um, and I'm just glad that I had the people around me to give me the confidence and trust that I was doing the right thing. I knew that true change wasn't going to come through an organization. It wasn't going to come through a party. Um, I felt that it was truly going to come through the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we could have real change if we all could see. Look, we all fall short of, short of God's glory, and the answer is to love. And so I decided to stand up and and say that. And it, it, <laughs> I got tons of negativity for it, but the positivity that showered from it was amazing. And people understood where I was coming from. And so I was excited about that. And the same thing with the vaccine. Um, I tried my best to be thoughtful and clear about my position and how I felt that everyone should have the free choice to decide what they want to do with their bodies when it comes to, to the vaccine. So, you know, you look now at what's happening with the vaccine. The Pentagon just did a, uh, a study and they show that, um, uh, what is it, carditis? Uh, Stu, what is that? Uh, heart condition? Myocarditis. That's myocarditis, yeah. And they said that in the, with the military, they found an extraordinary uh, out-of-whack number with young people who have myocarditis, not after the first vax, but after the second vax, it went through the roof. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing young athletes now, people who are really healthy. And I know this has happened in the past. I mean, it's, it is, it's not common, but it does happen. But now you're seeing all of these sports figures and all of these young athletes is this out of whack or is it just that we're noticing it? No, I, I would say it's out of whack. I would say it's, it's, it's extremely unfortunate given the way that COVID and everything was handled. Um, I know that there are plenty of people that feel, uh, I guess, robbed in a sense and, and let down because of things that are happening. Um, and who knows, you know, people are talking about it. Could it be, could it be, could it have been COVID? Could it have been the vaccines? I know you just talked about it being a spike after the second shot. Um, you know, I'm not yeah. one to just lay blame and say it is what it is, but I do right. think that as time goes on, there is going to be a mass, uh, I would say, just reckoning for what happened um, and the way that yeah. things were handled, the pressure that people were under to get vaccinated. Um, and I think it is a disservice to the American people for what happened. So back to your product, Unitas, you are making shoes and or soon to be shoes, but uh, sports clothing, sweats, T-shirts, polos, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you're doing it on your own. You I assume you don't have any big or do you have any big outlets that are coming to you and saying, hey, we want 
we want to be a pariah and stand with you. Uh, do you have any big outlets or is it all on online? Not yet. It's definitely something that I'd be open to. But right now we are just direct to consumer at weareunitas.com. Um, and I, I have, again, big dreams about where we could go. I definitely want to have the opportunity to sponsor for colleges and, and high schools and things like that as we move forward. Who knows? Mm. Um, but I'm just kind of taking it one step at a time. There are plenty of Christian, Catholic um, universities and high schools and stuff. So we're working on it. But right now it is just me. And, you know, we're looking for you know people to come on board and help support. And if a, if a big outlet wants to take us um, to have them in their stores, we'd be open to it. My son has just become a uh, college football coach, um, oh, which wow. is shocking because I barely even know what football is. But um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I would love to, and I'll foot the bill, I would love to outfit uh, his team and the coaches with your product. If they would do it, I don't know if they would do it, but I would love to outfit his, his team on that. Um, the, oh, wow. You are taking on, you're taking on, everybody and then you're also not making anything in china everything has to be ethically made um (laughs) i know because i started a clothing company years ago that's really almost suicidal to do that it is so hard to get things of quality made at a reasonably price at at a reasonable price how are you doing that it is very And why are you doing it um yeah. So for me, I'm not necessarily, in a sense, I say like an absolutist in terms of like, because at the end of the day, all of us in some way, shape or form use things that are produced in China. And so I'm not necessarily oh, yeah. from the standpoint of, okay, we can never use anything in China. It, it's, it's just, it's very hard to do. For me personally, when it came to Unitas, I had my own conviction that I did not want to manufacture anything in China. That was, that was my choice. And I decided to go that route. Does it make everything exponentially harder? Yes. Does it make producing the clothes harder? Um, Absolutely. But it was something that I wanted to do. And so when it comes to the sneakers, I um, got hooked up with a company called Soulworks, and they were able to find an ethically um, operating factory in Vietnam when it came to sneakers. And so that's where we're at right now when it comes to sneakers. We are sourcing clothing material out of Peru um, and uh, and Turkey, and everything is being embroidered and stitched in the United States and Chicago. And so it does make everything it does make everything much harder to produce. And we're working on finding ways to to mitigate some of those costs and things like that. And it's going to take some time, um, but I, I think we made the right decision by by just saying, you know what. For this especially, I know we use things, you know, produced in China all the time. But for me, I wanted to I wanted to not um, create that affiliation. Jonathan, I uh, I have profound respect for you. I have no idea what you do, really. I've never seen you play a game, <laughs> but I have tremendous respect for what you stand for and the fight uh, that you fight every day and the stand that you take. So congratulations on this and uh it has started with you and it will end with us unitis is the name of the product thank you so much i appreciate you glenn thank you so much for having me on 
Thank you. Jonathan Isaac. And again, we are Unitas.com. We are Unitas.com. That's another way to show Nike and everybody else. Yeah. I mean, now there's a good product out there that you can get. Uh, it speaks to your values. And, you know, hopefully Nike will see uh, eventually, um, you know, kind of a Bud Light kind of action against them. Not because we're boycotting them, just because I, I don't we don't need you. We have something that stands for our values. We are Unitas.com. Do you ever find yourself just waiting for the other shoe to drop? It's not a good place to be in, let's be honest. The next crisis right, right around the corner, there is always something that is coming. And in our world, my gosh, did you see what was happening with um, uh, the medical community now saying we've got to prepare for nuclear war and all of this stuff? Man, anything could happen. I think Jesus could come in the next 10 years. Anything could happen. You know, there's a tough time before Jesus comes, or so I've read. Uh, and you might want to be prepared and uh, and and self-reliant on many fronts. Um, my Patriot Supply is the way my family does this. They have a huge discount now on their best-selling three-month emergency food kit. For a limited time, you're going to save 25% per kit that you order. That's the biggest discount they offer, but it doesn't come along every day, and if it won't last long. So do yourself a favor. Save a ton of money while doing it. These kits include breakfast, lunch, dinner, and more. They provide over 2,000 calories every day. You get at least one kit per person in your family. Use My Patriot Supply. Grab 25% discount right now before the offer expires. You go for fast and free and discreet shipping. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. You're not going to ever regret doing this. Trust me. MyPatriotSupply.com. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. 10 seconds, station ID. So, Stu, tell me, honestly, how big of a deal is this guy, Jonathan he's Isaac? A good, I mean, he's a good player with tons of potential, signed a huge deal in 2020, uh, which I believe he's going into year, th- I think I think it's year three or four now. I think it was 2020 he signed it. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, he's a, he's a big deal and also a guy who, uh, it, I mean, it took an incredible stance. I mean, he, you know, he, he sort of undersells what a big deal that was in, when he was not taking yeah, a I knee. Know. I mean, the COVID vaccine stance was was very difficult as well, but you did see other athletes do that type of yeah. thing. There was almost, yeah. especially him, not only him doing it, but also him being an African-American doing it was incredibly yeah. important and powerful was, in that moment. I think when he did it, at least, he was the only NBA player. I think you're right. I think he was the only one. And yeah. uh, that, it's interesting, too. My uh, This is before we I even knew we had him on the air. I got a text from my wife the other day that she had already purchased, uh, like, several items for me and my son oh, and her great. from from uh, his new company just to, to support it. Because, you know, you know, you look at this and there are really no competitors in that in that world Mm-mm. that aren't like nope. off the reservation uh when you know correct when it comes to <gasps> how that. dare you say that 
redskin lover. Oh my gosh, you are horrible. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, here's what I would really like to recommend is uh, that if you have a little league team or, you know, a soccer team or anything else your kids are participating in, get the parents together and see if you can outlaw, uh, outlaw, out, outfit the entire team in as much of his garb as possible. We, we can make this into a really cool product because it is a cool product. Um, and we can help him spread the word just by buying his products right now. I think this is such an important thing. He's taking a gigantic risk. I've talked to him about this for, gosh, almost two years now. Um, and uh, he invited me to the launch party, I think it was Saturday, and I just couldn't make it. Um, but I would have loved to be there. I think this is a historic moment. I think this is another one of those things that can truly change the course. Um, because you start biting into Adidas or Nike, uh, that's a really big deal. That, I mean, that you, you really make an impact. And this is something, unlike Target, that is not going to be a hassle for you. This is much more like, uh, you know, Bud Light. You just, no, I don't want that. I want that. Um, and his values are rock solid. And uh, if you can order anything from him, I would love to see a big spike uh, for him today just to say thank you. But I'm serious. If my son's team will do it, I'll outfit the whole team in uh unitas product i i think it would be great to have that scene you know on the national scale and start to make an impact his shoes come out in september he said we are unitas.com we are unitas.com unitas by the way starts with a u ends with an us and has knit in the middle of it for some <laughs> they left that part out of the slogan for some, for some reason i don't know, I don't why. know why the yeah, the knit part is really important. Not with a K, just like knit as a nitwit, I think. So, hmm. Unitas. We are Unitas.com. Back with more in a minute. The Glenn Beck Program. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you want to know the main reason why I feel it's necessary to prepare for disaster? And why I come on this program and encourage you to look into things like putting some money, you know, that you have in gold or silver. It's uh, because I'm a student of history. I've seen how certain things, especially the really bad things, tend to happen over and over and over again. And they don't repeat itself exactly, but they rhyme. And so when you start hearing, you know, the poet come out and the uh, history is rhyming, you might want to prepare because uh, it usually doesn't end uh, well. It, being a student of history has convinced me that being ready for those things that could come is of paramount importance to me, my family, to you, and yours as well. Would you please find out if you can become economic, economically defensive with Goldline. They have a special offer on their historic $5 Gold Liberty Indian Head Coins. Every tube or box of 20 $5 Gold Liberty and Indian Head Coins you're going to require this week. You'll receive five of the one-ounce silver Goldline bars absolutely free. 866-GOLDLINE. 866-GOLDLINE. Get Dark Future Glenn's new book and conveniently available at glensnewbook.com.
Hello, you sick, twisted freak. Uh, there's a couple things that I uh, I want to share with you. First of all, there is a new poll out uh, from uh, the uh, Glenn Beck program and uh, the Glenn Beck, uh, glennbeck.com. We did a poll. Now, this isn't very scientific uh, because it is a poll that we asked you online to do. So it wasn't random, uh, but can we pull the poll up here, the results of the poll? We did a show on the deep state and what is happening. Wow, can't read that, Stu. Sorry. Can you read those? Um, this is something we did with a deep, still not big enough. Uh, we did on the deep state. I did a show on Wednesday that is so important, and I'll probably get into it here in just a little bit, uh, and probably tomorrow. The facts of what is going on with this election on the left is truly terrifying. And if you don't wake up and don't go to your local and your state GOP and demand answers and action, we will lose the next election based on nothing other than what I show you in uh, in the Wednesday night special this week. If you haven't seen it yet. Get it while you can on uh, my YouTube channel, YouTube Glenn Beck, uh, also on Blaze TV. And uh, you can watch it from the Wednesday night special. Can you go through this real quickly? Yeah, sure. Uh, do, you, do you think the deep state is real? Uh, 98% say yes. Uh, <laughs> do you believe the deep state is biased against conservatives? 99% say yes. Do you believe the deep state interferes with our election system? 99% say yes. Do you think our election system is overall reliable and elects the people's preferred candidate? 97% said no. That's, uh, that's, I know this is obviously not a scientific poll by any means, but it is a, it's a bit concerning that any group of uh, people would come out as 97% no on a question like that. Uh, that says we've got work to do uh, to, <laughs> to, to uh, increase people's confidence yeah. uh, in the election system. Do you think the deep state effectively interferes with our election system to get their preferred candidate in power? 99% say yes. And really the only one with any split was this one. Do you believe the deep state can be stopped and dismantled? 72% say yes. 28% say <laughs> no. I was much more pessimistic on that people. one. I was like, I know, I know, I oh, love, I love those people. Mm-hmm. All right, um, just to show you that uh, we believe that too entirely. My new book, Dark Future, is out. If you haven't read it yet, or if you like to listen to uh, books, you know, from Audible, just grab it on Audible. It is the best. I think it's the best audiobook that I've I've ever done. Uh, you know, if it wasn't me. If I were Hillary Clinton, I'd get a Grammy for this, Um, but uh, that's not going to happen. But anyway, this is a great, funny look at Dark Future. There's lots of ad libs. I tried to make it a little more palatable, uh, but grab it online now uh, and you can get it, you know, wherever you buy your books or go to Audible or or, uh, uh, Amazon and grab the audio version of the book. Okay. I want to talk to you about something that I heard uh, from Russell Brand on his podcast, Stay Free. He had uh, Vandana Shiva on, and I, I want you to hear what she said. Listen. There are three things that you cannot give up if you want to stay free. Yeah, we do want to stay first, free. <laughs> first, your ability to know and distinguish between truth and untruth. Right. And not allow mm-hmm. post-truth to be projected as truth and the truth speakers to be projected as conspirators. 
The second is our ability to relate to each other without the intervention of a surveillance state and surveillance corporation. And third, because food is what makes us. It becomes our blood, our cells, our brain. To not allow the totalitarian takeover of food to make it fake food and push it as the next liberation. So the contest today is around these issues. Speak freely, tell okay, the truth. This is, this is uh, Vandana uh, Shiva again with Russell Brand. And she said something incredibly important in that clip. And we talk about it in Dark Future. It is so important. She said, we cannot allow the totalitarian takeover of food. It seems almost unbelievable. Food fascism. But let's unravel this together here for a second. Most of us go to the grocery store, buy our food, and never think about where it came from. There are kids that honestly do not know that apples come from a tree. They have no idea how the meat is, is grown or ends up in the supermarket. They have no idea what it is. Meanwhile, Bill Gates has become the largest private owner of farmland in the country. He, along with corporations like Monsanto and Cargill, who maybe you've never heard of before, probably the most powerful agricultural company on the planet, represent a growing movement to exchange local, smaller scale farmers for corporations and an elite wealthy class. The food is not their priority. Money is their priority saving the planet is not their priority being more natural more healthy they are starting to grow lab food they're starting to grow meat which is not meat in the laboratory in bags that doesn't that sounds like you're trying to be god when you take uh, seeds and you genetically change them so they are patented and they do not you it forces you to buy seeds year after year after year that's not about being more natural more healthy more planet friendly uh at all it's about money when bill gates was asked why he's buying up so buying up so much farmland he said quote my investment group chose to do this this is while he's promoting his book how to avoid a climate disaster he explicitly said buying farmland is not connected to the climate. Now, wait a minute. Hold it. What? This is not about altruism. It's about selling potatoes to McDonald's. And yes, he does that. In the 1970, President Nixon's Secretary of Agriculture famously said that farmers have to, quote, get big or get out. This has unfortunately become more like a fact now than a suggestion, and the local farmer is going extinct. In its place are the Bill Gates, the major corporations, and the new technology. We're moving into an era of farms without farmers. One day, we may not have farms, but rather laboratories, you know, so we can heal the earth. Bill Gates has investigated, uh, invested in companies creating synthetic meat in laboratories. He said in an interview, quote, 
I do think all rich countries should move to 100% synthetic beef. You can get used to the taste difference, and the claim is they're going to make it taste even better over time. Eventually, that green premium is, a, is modest enough that you can sort of change the behavior of people or use regulations to sh- totally shift the demand. Notice he doesn't say it's healthier. I mean, as we are worried, as the left has uh, rightly so been worried about GMOs, they've been worried about, uh, you know, eating more and more synthetic products. Now they're seemingly on board with growing everything in a bag. Why would we want to eat synthetic meat for the environment, right? No. A study out of UC Davis found that lab-grown meat's environmental impact may be orders of magnitude higher than regular meat. Let me say that again. UC Davis. Lab-grown meat's environmental impact may be orders of magnitude higher than regular meat. So why is Bill Gates, oh, and Cargill investing in it? Bill Gates is also investing in AI, even through even though uh, MIT found that training one AI model can admit 626,000 pounds of carbon dioxide, which is the lifetime emissions of five cars. Hmm. So it's not about the environment. But let's give Bill Gates and Cargill and Monsanto the benefit of the doubt here. Let's say they really are pursuing a monopoly on our food on our behalf. Uh huh. The pandemic woke us up to the fact that we are all very reliant on a series of complex systems that could fail at any time. The grocery stores stop getting groceries. When that happens, most of us die. Say that happens again. Say you're hungry. Who do you want to go to, the local farmer or Bill Gates? Who do you trust with your food? You know, Maslow had the hierarchy of needs. It's uh, physiological needs like food. That's the baseline. If you don't have food and water, nothing else matters. Henry Cabot Lodge, uh, American diplomat, once said, a hungry man is interested uh, more in four sandwiches than he is in the four freedoms. But people who are healthy and have enough to eat will be strong enough to fight against aggression from without or from within. Soviet Union, they tried collectivized farming. That ended in a man-made famine that killed millions of Ukrainians. Stalin traded out local farms for collective government farms, and the farmers who resisted were labeled enemies of the state. He controlled their food, which meant he controlled their lives. So food is a freedom issue, but it's also a faith issue. We have been totally disconnected from creation. These people think that they are gods. If you read the Bible, it is full of agricultural references. I am the vine, you are the branches. You'll know them by their fruit. There are holidays in the Bible that center on planting and harvesting. Paul wrote in Romans that God's invisible qualities can be understood by looking at what God has made. God made creation to teach us about him. If we forget how to interact with his creation, 
won't we fall victim to forgetting about him even more than we already have? It is God who feeds us, not Bill Gates, not Cargill. We're relying on those corporations and people who like to play God. This is extraordinarily dangerous. You can find out um, much more about it in the new book, Dark Future. But the answer, like in many other issues, is localization. It's each of us in some way getting closer to our food source, whether that's buying it from someplace local or just starting a garden. And you don't have to be worried about the intentions of these billionaires and corporations controlling our food supply to see the benefit in decentralizing food. Better for our health, better for the land, better for our communities. But it will take all of us doing something, even something small, to take back control of what we eat. Do not rely on these corporations or these bureaucrats or these billionaires. We must rely on ourselves, on each other, our community, and most of all, rely on our God. A while back, a listener of mine, Pam, wrote in about uh, she couldn't sleep. For the longest time, she just couldn't sleep. Unless she lay flat on her back, staring up at the ceiling, she would have shooting pains that started in her shoulders and then radiated down through her arms. Sleeping on her side or her stomach was out, and she had always been a side sleeper. Then she heard me talk about Relief Factor. She said, I was skeptical at first. She tried other pain relievers before. None of them have helped. It was exactly the same situation, Pam, that I was in. Then she tried Relief Factor. You know what happened. A few weeks in, Pam found that she could sleep again any old way she wanted because the pain was almost completely gone. Pam got her life back, and so can you. The three-week quick start is only nineteen ninety-five, and it's a trial pack. It's not a drug. Developed by doctors, hundreds of thousands of people have ordered Relief Factor, and about 70% of them go on to order more. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-the-number-4-relief. 800-the-number-4-relief. relieffactor.com. Get the three-week quick start for nineteen ninety-five. 800-4-relief. relieffactor.com. Feel the difference. The Glenn Beck Program. Well, I noticed that uh, Stu Bergier, who is, uh, he claims to be the executive producer on this program. He claims to not be a Canadian spy. Um, he he claims uh, that he is on our side, but he has hid the news from you about what is going on in the uh, Hang Zoo Zoo. I, I hid the news on the Zoo Glenn Zoo. Beck program. The Glenn Beck yes, program. It was of, my fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, it was. Uh, because, uh, Your Honor, I have been controlled by him forever. Mm-hmm. I don't believe any of that stuff. Um, but uh, pictures have been taken of a sun bear in China's Hangzhou Zoo. And it looks like, have you seen these pictures, Stu? Of course you have. You've been hiding them. That's right. I've been hiding them, have so you I seen, had to have seen them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. It's out on our Today Show prep. If you don't get Today Show prep, uh, you know, you're going to miss all of this. Or you can just go to the New York Post. But there's pictures of the 
of the bear standing up in the bear cave. Um, and his picture is taken from his on his back. Do we have that? Yeah. Okay. So there he is. He's standing and he's waving. And notice <laughs> he's is. Come on. There's no way that's st- real. Okay. They're saying it is. They're saying it is. Then there's another picture of him from behind. I mean, look at that. Another picture from him behind. And right where his, you know, right where his uh, neck starts, there's a big bump on his neck, which appears to be the head (laughs) of somebody in a bear suit. Okay. And look at the fur down by his belly. He strangely has a, like a beer belly. Uh, from a you know from a, some guy, uh, and then his legs are completely straight, and he's got this extra skin there that looks like fabric. Now yeah. the Edinburgh Zoo, uh, the all these English zoos, which I bet you get money from China, <laughs> are are claiming that's not a man in a bear suit. Mm. See, this is the kind of hard-hitting stuff you're not going to get from other shows. You're just not going to get it. Or from this show, because I I, I hide it from everyone. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly right. That the is Glenn a Beck Chinese program. man in a bear suit. <laughs>